coronavirus has made me realize how lucky I am in in what I do and how much I'd actually miss it you know just traveling away with your mates a lot of the time racing bikes going to different countries exploring and personally I think I'll probably keep doing it as long as I am kind of financially able to essentially. Welcome to the British Continental Podcast, brought to you by Continental. Continental have been supporters of the domestic road scene for over 25 years. The go-to tyre brand for elite riders, from the off-camber cobbled corners of the Durham Tour Series to the farm tracks of the Cycle Classic. Hello, I'm Danny Gray and welcome to another episode of the British Continental Podcast. Today's episode features an interview with 25-year-old Max Steadman. Max is a climber by trade, an asset that last year helped him to win the early season tour of Antalya and break the British Everesting record in September. Max currently rides for Tim Elverson's Canyon DHB Sun God squad. In fact, Max has ridden for Elverson since he was a second-year junior. Like his teammate Rory Townsend, who we interviewed last year for the podcast, Max's results on the road have been promising enough so far to suggest he deserves a contract with a Pro Conti or even World Tour team. Despite only switching to riding full-time until relatively recently, choosing to balance his cycling career with completing a university degree in his first few years as a senior, he's already a five-time UCI race winner and has managed to pull off a number of eye-catching results against top competition over the years. Four of his UCI race wins have come at the Tour of Guangzhou Bay Stage Race in China, a race in which he won a stage and the overall in both 2017 and 2018. These were important results for Max at the time, but it was his performance at the Tour of Britain in 2018 that first made us think that he had the potential to step up to cycling's higher ranks. He finished 20th overall in that race, but without a team time trial performance that lost him a lot of time, he may well have bagged a top 10. Certainly ninth place on the Queen stage up Winlatter Pass, crossing the line with Tom Pickcock and head of Primus Roglic that day, suggested he was one of the strongest riders in the race. Last year's Tour of Antalya win, a 2.1 race that included World Tour opposition, confirmed that Max had the talent to turn pro. As Max explains in the interview, that performance led to World Tour interest. Of course, since then, the COVID pandemic has pretty much put his race plans on hold. But he has nonetheless used that pause in racing to break the British Everesting record. In this interview, we cover a huge amount of ground. Starting with his journey into cycling, topics discussed included his early track racing prowess, what has kept him with the Canyon team for so long, whether the British scene has been the right place for a climber like him to showcase his talents properly, his madcap adventure to race the Tour of Bulgaria in 2016, his breakthrough rides at the Tour of Guangzhou Bay and the Tour of Britain, learning how to successfully ride 30-minute climbs in Europe, his tour of Antalya win, interest from Jumbo Visma, whether at 25 he ever considers how much longer he should keep chipping away at turning pro, breaking the British Everesting record, and his plans to make an attempt at the world Everesting record later this year. No real plugs today, other than to express our continued thanks to one of our key partners, Hunt Bike Wheels, who of course are also an important sponsor of Max's Canyon DHB team. Okay, over to the interview. Good evening, Max. Welcome to the British Continental. Where are you this evening? 
Bristol. I am this evening uh, at my uh, at my home in Bristol. Um, it's quite nice, even as it seems just as nice as last night. Yeah, and I well, I call you Max, but your full name is Maximilian George Stedman. Yeah, that is right. Yeah, you can call me uh, Max. I think parents name me Maximilian in case in case I became anything important, which so far hasn't happened. But who knows? There's time. Right, right. What if what if you become an important cyclist? Yeah. Will you change your name? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, you see, like, uh, oh, what was it? I don't know if it's Welter or like the Giro RSC put on like Simon Philip Yates, don't they? They put the full shebang, yeah. so that could happen to me, I guess, at any point. I, I from a like a sporting point of view, I think I actually prefer Maximilian as it is my full name, so it's nice when it's just out there on the results. Yeah, it's not, not a name we hear enough of. I think. Max Chiandri was also a Maximilian, or is yeah, also a Maximilian. Yeah, uh, it's just a long name, isn't it? So it just gets shortened, doesn't it? It's a problem when your name's too too long. Yeah, and you're also um, reigning Tour of Antalya champion. Yeah, still reigning, yeah. Yeah, so still got that in the bag. Don't know if I've still got my UCI points, though. Don't know, we'll see. I, think, I imagine they've gone. But... Yeah, I think they lapse after a year, don't they? But I, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'm sure there's some even more nerdy people out there who would know who would know that um but not much has happened since i guess uh, racing no, wise anyway not, not tons yeah it's been really basically over a year of training with the dabbling racing essentially and obviously everything um so yeah it's been pretty well yeah, it's been quiet to be brutally honest yeah yeah and so have you been kind of in the UK that whole time pretty much? I know you went to France for Ventoux, didn't you? And there was a race in Spain early this year. Yeah, I get well, I've been fairly lucky. Managed holiday in Italy for seven days for Ventoux with like the whole family. Cousins are like 15 of us, I think, or something. And then 10 days in Rhodes as well in October. Um, and then obviously training camp in Spain. So I managed a couple of holidays with riding and a few races so yeah i've managed to get out the country uh quite a bit which is good and yeah obviously we had the season opener in spain but that feels well it was months ago now <laughs> okay so max i wanted to go back to the beginning as we tend to do in these interviews um and talk about your kind of how you started cycling kind of how, when when and where racing started um how, how did it begin for you uh, it began at Hillingdon, probably like quite a few of the Conti lads. I think Rory as well um, was a Hillingdon lad. I mean, I was Palmer Park, but my first race was at Hillingdon. Um, it was just that I watched my dad one weekend, uh, like midsummer when I was about seven, I think. Uh, and then I just gave it a crack the next week and then won my first race which was divisional champs admittedly i was the only one in that race so it was pretty easy to win but when you start a sport and you win first time it's pretty good for the confidence and then it's sort of just yeah it, it took off from there i joined reading cc and then a few years later joined palmer park velo which is the specific uh sort of youth club based at reading velodrome so your dad was a big cyclist as well yeah well he was triathlete first then knackered his knee through running so then took up cycling you know he wasn't he wasn't massive hitter just saw third cat you know cracked on with it um did like the odd hillingdon ilmore things like that but yeah that was kind of as far as he saw went with it and i sort of picked it up because of him um 
but my mum is well still is was a really good runner um as well um so i've sort of come from a very sporty background yeah and i get the impression that your parents um very very supportive of what you do i mean I, I when i came to the team launch a couple of years ago they were there and they seem to go to a lot of races and your dad's often often does write-ups of races and yeah they seem very involved I think, I think my parents are bigger fans of the sport than i actually am to be honest um yeah they're, they're massively supportive and not in like a pushy sense either at all like they were when i was younger they just wanted me to give me the best opportunity to to achieve and do well and I think because my mum made it quite high up in her sport it's just quite nice to see you know me progress and see how far I can go but yeah they're, they're really good with it they're all they're always sending me like uh little articles on training and stuff it's, it's just quite yeah yeah they're, they're big fans of the sport you know and they always you know oh do you see this at the weekend blah blah like yeah so yeah it is really really good yeah without them I, I wouldn't be where I am today 100% Nice. And so you mentioned the kind of the Conti lad. So I know that when we, when, when we interviewed Rory, he mentioned the fact that, you know, he grew up basically racing with you, didn't he? And is that, is that true? I mean, there, there's a few, few of you basically almost stayed together since you began racing. Yeah. So Rory was, yeah, well, he's a year older than me. So we were always like three youth. I'd go into under 12, he'd be second year. And then obviously we like chased each other up uh, essentially. But yeah, I, done loads of races against Rory from when he first started um so yeah it's been it's been quite cool seeing us both sort of develop and grow together in that in that kind of sense yeah and at what point do you think it did you start taking it seriously I mean at what point do you you think actually this is something I'd like to do as a career or do you do you even think that now I guess I mean you know Uh, assume you that's what you think no, yeah, I think I always wanted to. I was always, it was always going to be sport for me. Well, at this age, I know sport, when you're like, don't know, whatever, 10, you think sport goes on forever. But actually, the older you get, you're like, well, ah, sport's limited in terms of how many years you can do it. But I always wanted to go down that route. And then it was probably when I was 13, 14, I specifically concentrated on cycling. I used to do football a lot on the weekends. Uh, again, without my parents could have done this. I do like a football match in the morning and then go to Hillingdon in the afternoon or sort of the other way around and things like that. And then I played for the school football team a bit, like dabbled in it. Um, but it was like 14, um, I basically dropped. 14, 15, probably 14, I dropped every other sport and just like fully went for cycling essentially. But I tried running quite like pretty competitively and football and then dabbled in tennis went to like training sessions in the summer and things like that but that's just because i enjoyed it as like a a sport so sport was always going to be there so then it wasn't until i sort of realized where i could go cycling that that kind of took off yeah and you were saying off air that you you were quite a big well i say big i mean you're quite diminutive in terms of the style but you were you, you did you were very a very good track rider yeah yeah really that was Palm Park, um, both of them are clouds, Ewan and Cal, um, come from Palm Park as well. Um, and it, it's weird that it seems to have shifted now. Cross seems to be like the big thing, but at one point, all the like good riders come from, I mean, Ghana, um, Thomas, Wigo, um, they all 
came from track so i started with track and i was yeah massively keen on it you know there was there's a massive youth track scene in the uk um so it's a big thing to get involved in you know it's the main the mainstay of the british cycling scene because of the olympics um so yeah i did that until i was well well out of juniors uh no yeah till i first year under 23 second year under 23 i think was probably one of my last big competitive races on the track yeah and you you were nat- national champ uh in the madison in, yeah right? and, uh yeah national under 16 youth madison champ uh with ben chapman at the time um he was about foot taller than me foot and a half taller than me at the time uh, a lot of people had kind of written us out like ah oh, those two they they can't pair together like the difference is too big and then we ended up like winning inter-regionals a couple of weeks before and yeah nationals and that was like you know massive yeah like in that kind of event that was a big it was a big sort of youth events because at that age you're all mates but there's a massive competitive edge and then ben like at the time was like a really good mate as well so it was kind of really cool to sort of bag first national champs with him share it with someone in a way yeah what why didn't you keep the 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 track racing going do you think uh i think it was just sort of i don't know it sort of fluttered out like it was kind of harder it seems you sort of need to be to compete at the top level in track to do the sort of world cups. You need to be either on the national program or be like a what bike, have a com- sort of completely separate team. So I did national track champs that started 2017. Um, and I did bucks track quite a few times. Um, as it's obviously really important for the uni, it was good fun. I can do team pursuit with my uni mates, which you rarely get to to do sort of something like that um and then yeah just sort of once stopped doing bucks track it just sort of that that don't know the not the ability but like you know there just wasn't much opportunity to sort of go for it and i think i'd like to do sort of a six day or something like that maybe later on down the line if the opportunity comes but yeah for now the track bike is very dusty in the garage <laughs> And for those that don't know, can you explain what Bucks is? Uh, Bucks is the British University Championships. Um, so the best athletes from all universities in the in the country going head to head. And so, so you've been obviously studying um, kind of alongside, where you were studying alongside your your career to start with. Yes, yeah, so I was at uni for four years. Uh, split my third year in half thanks to the uni. Um, you know, they let me basically, it, it got to the point where it was like, the degree is going to suffer or the cycling is going to suffer. And the chances were it's probably going to be the degree. So I was like, would I be possibly able to split my course in half? You know, I'm doing X, Y, Z. And they were like, yeah, they're fine with it. Really supportive. Um, so that was quite cool. So yeah, in terms of actually being a full-time cyclist and concentrating fully on that, well, I guess it's been like, depends if you count years, COVID year probably doesn't count. I don't know. But yeah, it's been about, two and a half years now, probably two and a bit years of actual full-time cycling. And what did you study? Uh, sport and health sciences. Uh, it was the only sort of last thing. I really like maths, but my sister did it at uni and I've seen some of the stuff that she did and I just knew it wasn't going to be possible for me. So sport and health sciences it was. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. So um, I was just looking back through your kind of results. So um, I was trying to work out so what happened in so when you went up to juniors on the road who were you riding for initially before you joined Tim's so team? originally 
basically Palmer Park kind of had, I don't know if it still has, but it has like a junior squad, junior road squad, AW Cycles, who backed the um backed the, like sponsored the track league, uh local Monday night track league at Reading. Uh my dad helps in that now as well. I just sit a bit more from them. Um <laughs> so AW Cycles back sort of sponsored the Palm Park Velo. And then a lot of the time, a lot of the under 16 would sort of go to there because there was sort of a good road squad, like a couple of senior amateur riders, a couple of juniors, a couple under 23s. Like it wasn't hugely set up. Um, you know, you got some kit and stuff like that. But so that sort of just was a logical step at the time. So first year, I was basically just free, sort of rolling with it with AW Cycles, um, essentially, but I was on my own for a lot of the junior races um support from the parents at at the races and financially and things like that um so massive help from them at that age and then it was i did ilmore um sort of the wednesday night racing at this army barracks which is just like a sausage dog uh and that's where tim was racing at the time and he had spotted me the year before two years before when I was under 16 on like tiny little gearing, probably 45 kilos at a time or something stupid, keeping up with these elite men like Tim and things like that. Um, and then sort of, I got better and more progressive, got onto junior gears and next year sort of doing quite well again in that series. And then Tim sort of started speaking to me about potentially riding for his team the, the next year and things like that. So it literally came from Wednesday night local league is the, from from that to you know where we are now which is quite funny in a way yeah and and you've been basically with tim's teams ever since i mean obviously the the names have changed but it's been tim elverson running running the teams yeah um, it has, yeah yeah i mean you must feel like i mean and, and rory has obviously been there and as you say kind of callum and you and mcleod are there on the team now does it feel like it's uh kind of a you know family to some degree yeah it is i think the way the team's always been run is kind of a bit of that family like feel uh which lends itself to sort of you quite like staying there it, you know it's it's comfortable but we get good racing and it's a really good team and i think that helps a lot with some of the results we've had as well um you know the team really clubs together as we all kind of look out to each other obviously things have changed like members have changed like a bit different now than it was a few years ago um when it was like the sort of pedal heaven guys had more mer merged into canyon um to like pain and things like that so that's changed a bit in the sense of that you know there's different riders in it now but it, it definitely does have that that family feel yeah which it which is really nice to be honest it makes it come like really easy to perform well yeah yeah i mean i mean I, when i interviewed tim a couple of years ago i think he he highlighted you as one rider well of a, of a kind of small number that could potentially you know go go pro as in you know step up a level to pro con to your world tour eventually um and um it, i mean I, and i had wondered you know whether whether you've had offers from other teams whether whether it's kind of upwards or sideways what's kept you at the team so long um yeah i have yeah from sideways other conti teams um there was one period where 
you know, we weren't sure if we were going to have a team when Pedal Heaven went, when, well, Pedal Heaven themselves were doing all right, but it was the other company, Pyrian, um, basically had a massive problem mobile network thing. I don't know. Anyway, they had to lay off a load of staff. So obviously their sponsorship stopped. Pedal Heaven can afford to fund the team by themselves. You know, they're just a, they're a good local bike shop, but you can't afford to fund a continental team from a local bike shop. Um, and it was looking like we weren't going to have a team. And this was September when we found out, kind of August, September when we found out. And Tim was racing around for sponsors. Um, so at that point, I was applying to Madison, Seanbury CF, um, EF. Well, not now as EF had a development team going as well, but they just wanted sort of New Zealand riders. So I was sending out a lot of, a lot of applications. Um, but because it was so late, I wasn't getting much, you know, I was getting, oh, you're a really good rider. We'd like to have you on, but you know, we're full at the moment. And then Tim, Tim pulled out the bag with Canyon and bike channel, but then the sort of same sort of thing happened again <laughs> a year later with bike channel going under. So that wasn't ideal, but yeah, I think, I think the calendar's always been good. And cause I was at uni for four years with them, it was easier being part of a UK team. You know, I didn't have to, I travel from the UK race in the UK a lot so it was easier sort of from that angle and then you know I wanted to go right full-time with Tim hopefully have a good year or a good couple of years and then move on out of Tim's arms and sort of finish that chapter in like a really good way which obviously sort of got disturbed um a little bit so yeah I guess the temptation has been there to sort of move across but I've never felt like I've I've needed to mm. Mm. Okay. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll come on to kind of the interruptions that have happened since, uh, well, in the last year or so, I'm sure. But um, and, and what about, I mean, you, so there was obviously, a, you know, you've been in a great setup. The fact that your university kind of has, the, the Canyon kind of relationships kind of benefited you there. But I, I always kind of wonder with, with riders like you, you know, you're, you're ostensibly a climber but albeit yeah. got kind of other other skills as well. But, you know, whether the UK elite racing scene really suits a rider like you and whether that's kind of, I don't know, limited your ability to showcase, you know, how good you are. Sometimes. Yeah, I think it has a thing a lot of people have told me and I'd be wrong to say they're not right and that, you know, maybe I should I should be in Italy and maybe that'll be an option, um, you know, next year. It's, it's really hard to tell. Um what's going to happen and sort of put myself in a, in a more, just a more constant environment that suits me. So, you know, I've got whatever tons of hilly races to have a go at that year rather than just sort of targeting a few here and there. Um, so yeah, part of me like has had a little bit of eating away at my brain, like, Oh, maybe I should have done this, should have done that. But I think, you know, once you start doing that, you just, you know it's wrong and i i had mates who tried zappy and uni and it it kind of didn't balance right and it was hard so you know to do that i probably would have had to stop uni um which i don't regret uni for anything essentially so part of me yeah could have but part of me is also like i had a i had a great four years at exeter so yeah no yeah but and you, yeah, sorry. Yeah, you are. Yeah, you are right. Sorry. Yeah. Um. So yeah, 
I'm just blabbering now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say, I mean, you, you know, nonetheless, you've done, you've picked up some very good results in the UK, you know, regular in the top tens in national road series or premier calendar events, as they were once called. Um, and I guess in many ways you've, you've done well at, you seem to have done well at um, targeting or kind of, you know, rising to the occasion on, on the races where you have had opportunities. Yeah, I think that's quite a skill in itself. You know, you have to grab things with two hands. And sometimes I do slip up 2019. I think the the good thing about what I've done, well, what I feel like I've done with these UK races, actually I've done a few in Belgium, is that it's given me a lot more skill sets than I'd originally had if I just concentrated fully on climbing or something like that. Like I've got a bit more variety in how I can race. And there's been a couple of opportunities chart times where france there were two stage races in 2019 where i put myself in a really good position through just uh like literally in bunch sprints i rolled like fourth fifth or fifth on one day and sixth on the other i was in a great position for the hilly days uh i sort of fell apart on the hilly days um so it's put it can i think it will benefit me in the long run things like that but also you know you have to take Antalya and China and things like that rare chances of uphill finishes um being able to grab them with two hands I think shows quite an ability to be honest to just target something and and get it achieve it yeah yeah and I mean talking about kind of some of the races you've done um again again you mentioned off air the tour of Bulgaria which uh back in 2016 um you i mean you you came ninth overall but that isn't i guess the the the, the thing that's of most interest to experience yeah. so can, t- Tour Bulgaria t- t- was my first experience of european stage race um and so basically we, we didn't qualify for tour of britain we lost out to nfto in the last race in abergavenny um so we we're all pretty devastated by that and it was actually will fox who had done tour bulgaria with dexter guardius a couple years ago before that um and they emailed the organizer and it was basically like um pedal heaven's second sponsor had gone like down the pan not down the pan but you know they they had gone um so we didn't have any real cash left to to race it was like right these are what the flights cost everything else is included um need a couple of volunteers so my dad came along and Peyton's mate uh tour Bulgaria provided someone to drive the car so it was literally six riders my dad and Alex Peyton's mate um on this six-day European stage race which just made it yeah it was just like it was literally just a bunch of mates at a bike race and we managed to pick up some good results as well which I think made it even better so it was like a yeah called it like a holiday race obviously it wasn't a holiday race it was hard but it felt like a holiday because we're having such a good time and and racing our bikes which is yeah like that will be a race on there i'll never forget (laughs) what was it like racing in bulgaria i mean what was the actual race yeah it's interesting the terrain the terrain's actually good it's hard um but i think the country itself is obviously it's a lot of crumbling concrete in some places and some places are really really nice through the the mountains in the north um yeah it's got load of good variety to be honest so it was quite cool in a way yeah i mean do you i mean i know cyclists get asked this a lot but do you you get a chance to really take in the scenery when you're when you're in the middle of a race Uh, sometimes yeah i think it depends at what moment in the race 
and if you're in tunnel vision or not i think but there have been a couple of times i have uh there was one of night when we're in Mallorca last year and we're doing like the coast road from Dea to andrax and the race was pretty on but the sun was kind of setting down on the sea and i just turned to Callum. i said like i was like look at that that view is that like what we're doing is is pretty cool at the moment like to take that in a little bit and there has been times where i think worlds was one of them where i was in the gruppetto so i just took a moment to like going into the finish like the last uk like knew it was going to finish but i was in a hole just like drop off the back of the group and like sort of take it in on your own the sort of atmosphere and, and where you are so in a way yeah but a lot of the time it's just red mist yeah and the worlds was in innsbruck of course that year wasn't it yeah yeah well, it was yeah 20 2018 yeah yeah and um i guess that came off the back of um probably i guess one of the first times i i really thought you you know you you were going to have the you had the potential to go quite a long way in cycling was on the, in in the tour of britain you i mean you finished 20th overall but i think that probably hides a much better performance because uh, there was a team time trial that year wasn't yeah, there yeah the team your time team trial didn't didn't do us in. justice to be fair yeah um, yeah it wasn't ideal um but that's that was just the situation you know we were in so obviously i was a bit guided about that but overall yeah i was dead dead chuffed for that race that's i think i'd done the tour of yorkshire the year before 2017 i saw sort of there or thereabouts like 23rd overall it's not it's not stellar but it was enough for me to know that like right i can get fairly far in these and then 2018 tour of yorkshire didn't you know got good results to begin with then mechanical out then that ridiculous stage four and i sort of thought oh i can be sort of competitive against these guys and then tour brim was the first time it was like right these are some of the world's best riders and i am not far off them so i, I could probably do really do something in this sport i think that's when for me as well it kind of until you know 2.2s and things like that you you're good but these aren't the world's best riders so that was a real like oh this is i can do this yeah so that was that was a that felt like a breakthrough for you at the time yeah massively yeah uh yeah 100 percent um just the quality of the riders in that field that year and being able to be competitive yeah it was a massive thing yeah yeah i mean i guess the the big stage there was the was stage six up to, up win latter pass uh in the lake yeah. districts and you you finished ninth on that stage didn't yeah, you? yeah ninth yeah yeah not far well in a group with kind of tom pickcock and yeah i think a other. certain primoz roglic was 18th that day so i'll take take that on oh <laughs> uh, yeah 17 um, in fact but yeah 17th, but yeah, was he? yeah 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 um so yeah obviously it was a massively quality field on sort of a terrain that that suits them as well so that was yeah that was a not a shock but at the start of that day Oh, I don't know, Tim, my head wasn't in the game that, that morning. Tim was like, right, you need to be at the front in these crosswinds. You need to be at the front in these crosswinds. We all know you need to be at the front in these crosswinds. I was two thirds down the way of the pack. Uh, and now I was a minute out the minute out the peloton at the start of that stage, thinking, oh, I've ruined all GC chances here. Um, but luckily it came back together and then sort of clicked in, in place at the end there. Um, yeah. At that stage. Yeah. And, um, I mean that was obviously a, a, a key a key moment in your career then, and just for your confidence and thinking, 
you know, this is something I could take a long way. Yeah, yeah. That, like, I think it was that and that point and it was like stage, was it stage five or stage six or something. Maybe I think it was stage six, maybe the day after the time trial. Um, so that deep into a stage race as well to be able to, for, to perform. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just gave me massive confidence. And that everything I was doing was right, like the training I was doing was right. It was getting me into the right places. Um, I think I was riding a really big wave there. I just finished uni and got selected for GB for Tour Alsace and things like that. So everything was sort of clicking into place really well. And that sort of felt like the crescendo essentially. Yeah. Of course, yeah, the Tour, Tour Alsace was the was was the French race you referenced earlier where you did quite well yeah. at the, the sprint stages and then perhaps didn't quite do quite as well as you wanted in the mountains, but you still finished twelfth no, overall, yeah. didn't you? Yeah, still finished twelfth overall. I had a buffer from that sort of first stage. Um so yeah, that was one of those that was like a shock. That was because I'd never I'd never done sort of thirty minute climbs, raced up them, um, hadn't trained for it, you know, type thing. So that would be one of those scenarios where you know, if I wasn't a different setup and trained for those races, maybe it would have gone better. Um, but would I have been in that race if I wasn't, you know, it's just so many if buts maybe you can't think about it, essentially. Yeah. And and of course in around I mean, that year you won the uh the tour of Guangzhou Bay and you did did the, did that the same thing the year before, didn't you, in twenty seventeen. Yeah. Um so you picked basically won stage two in both races i think it was stage two in both yeah, races and the boy, overall yeah. stage two so, yeah yeah um which is the kind of i guess the queen stage for that race isn't it yeah it is yeah yeah they're not very long stages but the way they sit in the season we're kind of working up from winter and i say tour britain was a moment that i thought i could do well it was actually Shuanzhou bay 2017 where like cam i was riding and they were sort of they were coming off a winter break as well um but they're still quality riders uh the guys who are doing it um and winning that stage two was when it also kind of clicked like yeah actually i could go quite far you know you want to kind of believe it when you're under 23 but you don't actually know but when you can start winning races against fairly good opposition then then you can start to believe a bit but that whole three days that first year was a bit so again, it was one of those races where it was just me, Hank, Rory and Tamfield and um, Herman from Hong Kong, Harry's mate, literally at this race. And again, winning two stages and then Harry was second on the last stage. It was literally like mates abroad, but doing well. <laughs> so yeah, that's, uh, I mean, it's, a, it's not a race I know a lot about, but it's, it's kind of every, takes place in December, doesn't it? So it's completely in your off season. Yeah, um, it is. Yeah. But you, you guys yeah. seem to do that every year. You went to uh, Fuzhou. I'm, is that the correct yeah. pronunciation last year but that's but from what i understand that's not it's almost not an official team race you kind of take yourselves off to, yeah, to, to race i mean yeah they pay for the flights and hotels so it's fairly you know you don't need any budget for it essentially um you know when we sort of go there we went there with holti to fujo last year um and Quanjao in 2018 um, but it's actually kind of just like a few guys and a DS and that's, that's basically, that's it essentially. So it's fairly simple from that point of view. Um, but it's warm and the racing's pretty good and yeah, we can usually pick up some great results as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, so five, five time UCI race winner, 
uh, as a result yeah. of those yeah 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 in, in china um and so so 2017 2018 then with those results we've talked about there really you really were starting to kind of pick up confidence that you you know you could really make it as a as yeah. a bike rider yeah i think yeah there's always other glimpses i say seventh of elephant wales like go back now seventh of elephant wales was another good start like i was in a group with you know i was a fairly i hadn't done anything really um conti wise my first year had a few injuries you know done a few mid-pack results but nothing nothing outstanding got my elite license i think that was the kind of the biggest highlight um and then didn't race for the kind of the start of the year and telephone was going to be my first race um and then sort of just specifically targeted it and finished seventh in a group with you know bibby and tom stewart and everybody was like it was me bibby it was tom stewart won then bibby won the kick and then sort of me just behind and it was then it was like right these two literally the best two riders in the uk at the moment and i wasn't far off them so that was another sort of point and then a few weeks later it was national champs where i got 21st and getting around a national champs is like a it's a big thing in itself rarely 30 guys get around most years uh, if it's been hard so that was kind of another sort of clicking moment so i guess there's little drabs in between that sort of moments where you're like yeah i'm pretty i could hopefully go far in this really far mm. And then, so kind of by the end of 2018, you must have been, you know, I guess really looking forward to 2019, thinking you can build on that. How how do you think 2019 went for you? Yeah, not great. I don't want to look at it as a, a wasted year. Maybe I was too comfortable. I Yeah, I don't know. I think I, I didn't make most of that year. And I, you know, say that in myself, uh, you know, multiple reasons didn't didn't take opportunities things like that it was a bit yeah it, it was frustrating um yeah you know we had some some really good moments to be honest um you know within the team uh we won quite a few of the national series with rory and being a part of that was really cool you know i, I was it wasn't a bad year by any means but it wasn't i think i'm so disappointed by it because the end of 2018 was so good and then 2019 i just sort of plateaued and nothing really came from it um which i think made it yeah well it's obviously gonna make it worse you're gonna feel disheartened i thought you know first year out of under 23 done four years at uni graduated i'll go full time and you know just whatever slide into the pro conti world tour pick up a few results obviously it's not that easy but you know that's what i thought you know having finished 2018 so well um so yeah that whole year itself was a bit yeah just disappointing like i Again, in two races there, I'd put myself in top 10 GC positions uh, before a big mountain stage, and then it just like collapsed on the on the hardest days, which yeah, it just wasn't it was it wasn't ideal. Um, so yeah, but you know, it's a learning experience, and you realise to take your opportunities when they when they come. Yeah, so that was 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 that the two French races, stage races you did where you so that, where you fit? that was yeah. So Alsace actually was another. I'd forgotten kind of about that one, but that was kind of like you know first one at that kind of level. I didn't really know well, not that kind of level, but the first time racing in the mountains abroad. So I didn't really know what to expect. Whereas it was Mirabel and Ron Alps um, where I put myself in a good position. We had me and Pearson as well, and I think Pearson did 
did well on both those days so um bailed us out from a team point of view but yeah it was again it was one of those points where on the flat days I'd put myself in a in a good position and then yeah things just didn't didn't go to plan so yeah it's one of those you know and you look back and you're like oh if I'd capitalized on one of those results you know where would I bet again if buts maybes can't look at them <laughs> so when when things don't go well on a mountain today when you're kind of you know theoretically have the opportunity to to really you know go go for a result are you able to put your finger on why things don't go well yeah i think ron alps was fairly easy as to why we did that tour yorkshire in that year 2019 don't know if you remember it was like horrendous the worst i think both rory and dan went out with illnesses and stomach bugs um it was freezing cold so i got a cold directly after that but seven days later ron alps started so i started ron alps with you know just getting over the back end of a cold first two days were fine and then i think it eventually sort of caught up with me on those last two days and then mirabelle it was actually the heat which is something i've struggled with a lot and this last year well since von two again like another massive big opportunity go to von two you know a good top 15 there you know that potentially with antalya at the start of the year that potentially fired me into a pro conti world tour team and the heat got to me and it's something that i have struggled with but i don't think i've accepted that I've struggled with it properly. So I've been working uh, pretty hard on that over the last few months, basically to become, try and become more chronically adapted to the heat. Um, so it is fairly, yeah, I'd say for me, just self-analyzing, it's been easy to put my fingers on why it's gone wrong and where it's gone wrong, which is good in a way, you know, you don't sort of question things as, as much like, what am I doing? You know, am I doing everything right? Where it's like, right. So what you did right but this is what you did wrong and this is what you need to improve yeah and that's that's the way you get better isn't it by kind of yeah exactly yeah how you go yeah. wrong yeah um and have you adapted your training since 2017 2018 when you realized that you know you said when you did our sas that was the first time you had done a 30 minute climb is that is that the kind of rider you're now trying to turn yourself into yeah definitely which is why i've also i've pushed time trials a lot over this sort of last trading for them over the last few months and sort of doing them. Um, you know, when we're trying to compete in races like one, two, we need to be able to do 50 minutes as hard as we possibly can. Um, so a lot of my training is now more adapted to that and working on that sort of probably that element of my riding, those sort of 30 to 60 minute efforts that I never really did until a sort of few years ago, you're racing in the UK. You know, even things like Tour Britain, you only need to be on the gas for 10 minutes maximum. Um, you know, they're all sort of three to five minute climbs. So you sort of, I guess that sort of element of the riding just sort of gets put to the side. So I've been trying to work over the last, yeah, well, this winter a lot um, on that sort of element of my riding. Um, and I did do a lot last winter. And it was maybe something I sort of let go during lockdown. Um, essentially and sort of concentrate more on volume which might have been a mistake so uh. but but it certainly seemed to pay off um in the beginning of 2020 um as you say you won the the tour of antalya you're still the reigning champion because it was canceled yeah yeah <laughs> this year um 
but I mean, that was, I mean, we, we, we did a feature uh, about your victory there on our website, but that was, I mean, yeah, just try and try and sum up that, how that went for you. I mean, because that was, I guess that was a combination that seemed like a race to me anyway, where kind of your, your skill set came together almost because, because the, there were some tough mm. stages on the flat and all kind of hilly hilly days yeah it was as well was as the mountain pretty, stage it worked out well it worked out obviously in the best way possible essentially um but i think that started in october well september that started in september 2019 you know the season hadn't gone how i wanted it and then uh last minute didn't get selected for britain um so i sort of took a break and then you know i was like right we're doing New York challenge in January. I know that if I can hit those races well, um, then, you know, and start the season well, then that's great. So my first target for 2020 was just go well at New York challenge. Um, I got ill there the year before. Um, so I kind of thrown it, well, not thrown it away. Um, but you know, illness sometimes happens, but I was, you know, it fueled the fire essentially 2019 for the start of, 2020 which i think is is part of why start 2020 went really well um you know i felt like i needed to not prove a point but i knew i had way more in me and more to give um so i went with the idea of just being in really good form for mallorca and i didn't even actually look at antalya until after mallorca uh, and it was my dad my dad was like you looked at the uh, profile for antalya and i was like no i thought it was i thought it was just like a like a kind of Rory race, essentially. Um, he was like, oh, there's a summit finish on day three. Um, so I was like, I'd look at the profile. And I was like, and I dropped a message to Tim and said, look, I'm clearly going well. Um, Mallorca, day three. Day two was a bit of a bummer. I had a battery die on me at the wrong time. Um, so that could have gone a different way, but so can so many bike races. Day three went really well, top. 20 and then you know came in a group with Rafa Micah so I knew I knew my legs were in a good place just messaged him like oh can I do you know I'm keen for Antalya Scott Summit finish good form and it was obviously like yeah um let's go and day one was just a sprint and day two was tipping down with rain Leopard pushed it really early on on one of the climbs split the bunch to about 40 guys I reckon and it was actually the last 3k where things changed we went on to some like greasy like ice cobbles essentially um going into antalya and there were crashes left right and center gaps opening up um just through corner i almost took rory out the back at one point um because i didn't want i didn't want to crash so i was like kind of letting these gaps go a little bit but enough that i knew i could close i just hear rory shouting and like panicking a bit so i closed i closed the gap it was all right in the end um and then obviously we got to day three and I finished third by like a couple of inches. It was literally a lunge, won me that, that race as well. Um, so I finished third on the stage and then, you know, I just assumed that every, the two guys ahead of me had finished in the same group um, the day before, but they had actually been caught out in those splits sort of on the cobbles. Um, and they were actually like 10, 15 seconds behind me. And that's how I ended up in the, the leader's jersey basically through what happened at the end of stage two yeah and 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 as as you said in the the piece we did with you it was an amazing team effort on stage four to to keep you in the jersey 
yeah stage four was well well out my control um i think we got we all got pretty excited and we didn't realize that the gap was so small and then when we all saw it was two seconds in the evening we we're all a bit like ah this isn't going to be as easy as we had uh as we had hoped for um but no yeah it was it was basically down to sort of tenant to to do the sprints the best he could and he took away the seconds at the first intermediate sprint and then kenneth the guy in second crashed at like 250 meters to go or something on um there was a big crash like spread across well kind of spread across the road into barriers so it was pretty nasty but everyone was all right luckily um but kenneth was like tense wheel with about 250 meters to go with andy tennant gargoyling him um making sure he didn't go anywhere um so it, it was all covered anyway so yeah and then yeah we won it which was at the time yeah it, like it's still pretty incredible now yeah yeah big race 2.1 race um and I guess you must have been feeling like 2020 was going to go go your way. For that. Yeah, yeah. At that point, it was like, right, this is. Mallorca went well, and it was in good form. And then winning a 2.1, you know, those races in China are good, but the Asia Tour isn't the same level as the sort of European Tour. Um, so then, when we were racing against like six Pro Conti teams, Israel as well, World Tour team, you start beating those guys, then it's like okay yeah we're doing we're really well we're on we're on the level we need to be you know we're competitive um so having finished that it was like yeah that was that was really good and then uh seg agency contacted me after that and wanted to sort of represent me um so the ball was like you know rolling i from that point of view um and we're sort of trying to set up meetings with a couple world tour teams at sort of volta limburg and things like that and come and watch free race so it was snowballing nicely and then obviously um coronavirus hit and the rest is the rest is history yeah so are you still with seg now yeah i'm still with seg now yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah. i mean i we haven't really had a chance to see how it can go but um yeah i've got a good relationship with my agent at the moment so it's all it's all really good to be honest yeah, but those conversations with the World Tour teams then never happened because the season. No, yeah, yeah. Basically, um, I had uh, Jumbo at the time. Their coaches looking at my training peaks um, for a few months, but they let me know in like June or July that they weren't going to have me on for twenty twenty one. But they'd keep an eye on me, etc. I mean, they probably have. They're probably looking at thirty, forty young riders, sort of training. Um, so at the time, you know, it felt like everything was moving in the right direction. Then obviously racing kicks off again, the world tour, and it was kind of a season of two halves and like that victory wasn't forgotten, but you know, the season restarted again. And then the way the market was and the fact that, you know, we didn't have tons of racing to, to show ourselves and one opportunity, one, two, uh, didn't go the way we wanted it to go. You know, it kind of, doors doors closed and you know that was that was kind of it and it's hard not to go ah you know if there wasn't coronavirus you know where would i be now you know it's hard not to feel hard done by but there's a lot of people in my situation in many aspects of life who are far worse off or you know just just the same you know close to making it or you know it yeah it's just the pandemic the pandemic hit and that's that's that you can't can't moan and cry about it <laughs> yeah i mean it, it feels like um you know as you say the season restarted 
at the end of last year. But it really only started, restarted, didn't it, for the World Tour teams and the Pro Conti teams, essentially. I mean, if you, if you were on a Conti team or or an under-23, there was the Baby Giro. But I mean, for kind of riders below those two top two tiers, there weren't really a lot of races to go to. Weren't no, and there, there is now, kind of, but still... Again, there's kind of the World Tour teams are still racing and there's, you know, there's a few Conti teams racing. Tour Roads 2.2 just went ahead. But the, because there's just a lack of race in the the fight to get into those races so much bigger. You've now got pro Conti teams wanting to do 2.2s when beforehand they wouldn't have bothered at all um, just so they can get some racing in. So it sort of just hits down the pecking order and the sort of Conti teams get get kind of well flicked a little bit um it's looking better now but also these sort of lower level races they're not on tv they get less funding so it's not as vital they're on essentially so they're the sort of first ones to be put to the side um so yeah it did when the season started it was like well the world tour season started but nothing else really yeah yeah so you know as you say it's it's hard not to feel disappointed that you, yeah, you really yeah, have had the opportunities yeah. and you're i mean you're still young you're but you're 25 which i guess in cycling terms is a yeah i guess i feel like you're a little bit like in that sense but you're kind yeah. of at that in that i guess i don't know the bermuda triangle twilight zone kind of that yeah kind of weird yeah. area that's kind of you're after you you finished your under 23 years but you've still got plenty of potentially you haven't reached your peak yet so yeah it's, it's mad cycling world isn't it a little bit and then the big problem now is is even my agent says like the junior market's just nuts like everyone's looking for the next remco type thing you know the sort of supernovas the the biggest stars of the sport are coming up like pogger cars the burnouts everyone's looking for them so it's like our sort of age group rory they're not so much looking at us as well as much as they would have previously which is like kind of hard to chew and swallow but that's just the way the market is you know it happens with with all sports um yeah in this sort of scenario so it, yeah it definitely does make it tougher but i you know personally i think at the end of the day it does make it harder your results have to be better now like you can't at our age, you need to be up there in these sort of point ones and point HCs. You know, you need to be proving that you're already ready to race the best. So when you join this team, you're a senior rider and you can race the best already. Whereas when you're under 23, you're sort of getting goodish results in the point ones and point HCs and you're winning the point twos. You know, they're like, right, we can take you on and you'll develop and then you'll be up there in these world tour races. Whereas now it's kind of like you need to be at that level already. Does that? I mean, if you started to look at cycling differently, I mean, are you, I mean, you're only 25, as we say, but, you know, do you start to think, oh, there's a time limit on things? Uh, I mean, there always will be when it just comes to a case of like keeping the, your world spinning in terms of finances and things like that, you know, actually being able to live. But I think coronavirus has made me realise how lucky I am in in what I do and how much I'd actually miss it. Um, you know, just traveling away with your mates a lot of the time, racing bikes, 
going to different countries, exploring. And personally, I think I'll probably keep doing it as long as I am kind of financially able to, essentially. Um, you know, and I see, yeah, basically don't want to slip into the, to the giving up too early or, you know, know my peak years are, are ahead of me and, and just enjoying what I do um, and having that, that sort of quality of life that, that I personally enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess the finances, I guess it's so that's the critical thing really for you. Yeah. Yeah. I think at any age, isn't it? At some point you just got to go, right. I can no longer really, um, afford to, to live sort of like, you know, I need to be able to, to properly do things or yeah, just grow up. I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Yeah. But (laughs) some reason, you know, but then, yeah, why, I think for a lot of people, I've seen my housemate, George Pym, he wrote for Madison. Now he's financial advisor. And, you know, I've seen someone go from sort of cycling to, to, you know, a proper job, um, you know, and he says, he, you know, he does miss it sometimes and, you know, you just kind of sort of keep, yeah, just keep sort of doing it as long as you can. Yeah. I mean, I guess you've got the benefit of having a degree behind you. You've got, you've got an education. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, which is one of the the sort of big points uh my parents are like well you can go to uni or you can get a job um essentially when i left uh school so i was like well go to go to uni give it give it a crack but yeah that that is it's nice to have that in the bank and the experience that i've got that i you know hopefully if i leave cycling i could go into something um a bit different or something that I know I'm going to enjoy as well. Yeah. If you, if you hadn't got into cycling, if you hadn't joined Tim's team, if you hadn't ended up where you are, what do you think you'd be doing now? Don't know. The golden question, isn't it? <laughs> Don't know. I, I, yeah, I see. I seriously, it's, it's so hard to tell. I think just cause things change so quick. Well, yeah, it's like now I'm just really into quite into music, uh, electronic music. So then it's like, you know, a few years ago, I wouldn't have been. Um, so that sort of changes your perspective on t- on things and what you think you can do or what you kind of want to go into. So, yeah, I, I, I generally, I really, I really don't know. I would love to give you a great answer, but I do not know. <laughs> but I'll, I'll find out in ten years' time, maybe, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen the pictures of you on social media of behind the decks. You kind of you're into your uh, music. Yeah, yeah, just. And- so DJ, yeah, just into mixing at the moment. Um, just literally benefit of kind of for myself and just having a bit of fun, essentially. Um, like create like little warm up playlists and things like that. I did a mix for Chris Opie uh, like last year, an hour and a half on like warm up playlist thing. So it's, yeah, it's just a bit of fun, um, basically. But it just music brings people together, etc. It's just quite nice thing. Like yeah, I just really enjoy it the that's kind of uh long and short of it and you know i don't see a career in that at all currently but you know who knows what can happen <laughs> when when you're traveling with your teammates do you uh you know are you are you the one choosing the music uh nah because i don't want to be that guy you know like <laughs> actually a couple of them recent uh recent uniball said decks out as well they've been they've been inspired so it's just going to come okay. a team full of DJs. Um, but right. no, nah, you don't want to be that. That guy's like, oh, 
I I DJ, I know all the tunes because, you know, at the end of the day, you probably don't and everyone's got everyone's got a different taste. I think we're pretty good on the team at like divvying it around between everyone. Um, everyone has a go on the uh, on the speaker. But I've got, I bought a set of mini decks when we're on our training camp. Just keep everyone entertained and myself entertained. Nice. I can I can imagine a, a kind of an alternative team camp for you guys. Maybe going to Mallorca, you know, training yeah, during the day, I, and then maybe DJing d- during the night in the clubs. I heard Ibiza uh, in a few months uh, for a <laughs> yeah. training camp. That was the rumor. No, uh, no, but yeah, it was. Yeah, Spain was good. It was really relaxed. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting. There was, there is a, well, we we weren't sure on. We got a sort of camp coming up. We were going to do it in Yorkshire, but that has been moved now to fleet so we can sort of work out the service course a bit better but there was talk of like bringing speakers and stuff to the uh to the training camp in our airbnbs <laughs> originally nice nice so um I've, I've realized i've talked to you a lot max already which has been great and time time's flying and i haven't even asked you about everesting yet i mean so oh uh, yeah so we talked about the, fact <laughs> that the year's been a bit of a write-off in some ways but you you were you are the british everesting world you know British Everesting record holder. You were going for the world record. Yeah, right? it was. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah that was the yeah. original plan. I know you've been asked about this a lot, but how, you know, how do you sum up the experience? Yes, uh, it was just so hard, harder than any bike race I've ever done. I had never finished a bike race in the state that I'd finished that, and like at one point, I thought I couldn't actually finish it and that was probably because the climb was also so steep um but that was like i don't think i can actually get through this um point moment which doesn't really happen in races well you know uotl sometimes you get dropped but you're not like i can't finish this whereas that was like i don't know if i can actually finish this um so it it was just completely different um, but again, it was different from a race in that, like, even just completing it felt like an accomplishment. Whereas, obviously, you complete a race, finish 55th, you're going to be disappointed or a bit ticked off, something didn't go right. Whereas, that was like the personal accomplishment was was pretty big as well. Did Were you aware of how far away from the record you were at the time? I mean, were you, you know, did you have people there telling you what your no, pace needed to be? No, in hindsight, there was a lot of things that. I am going to do differently for the next one that are already in the plan. That was, I mean, I guess it was only a month to prepare, which looking back, it isn't, it isn't that much. Um, and next time I will like when I started to crack, if I'd known I'd gone three minutes faster, I'd be ahead of Lachlan Morton and Contador. I probably would have not stopped for a wee and things like that. And a big, big back stretch. Like I spent five minutes off the bike. Um, and I could have been two places higher up and on the world record board on the, not the world standing board. Um, so yeah, little things like that. And just, yeah, having something, a spreadsheet, just basically like, right, this is the pace you're on. If you carry on at this, this is your average lap times. And, you know, a bit of an end goal, I hit this sort of blurry patch at like five, six hours where I knew the record was gone, but I didn't know by how much. So yeah, in hindsight, well, in hindsight, I've learned a lot and ready to put that in practice for next time. So next time, when, when is next time? What's uh, not sure, obviously this year, um, but essentially at some point, the racing calendar is still sort of being 
not sieve through it's basically put in place but we're sort of seeing what happens with races as well and what comes up there's a couple of races there because like sort of in may and june they've just pushed a load of races in january into may and june a lot of these world tour teams pro conti teams now can't do them so there's sort of spots opening up in in different races so it'll just be a case of picking the right weather conditions and just making sure i'm on form so you know it could be after tour britain or it could be this sort of summer essentially it 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 won't be a last minute thing um but it also will be dependent on the the weather as well and making sure the conditions are, are right but so yeah they're the sort of two times it probably happened this year and have you decided on a climb part of me wants to go back to the climb i did it on because it's local and it's savage and i quite like the idea that you know you do it on your sort of local climb it's something that everyone can have a go at at least you know you can go to your local climb and go do an everesting um i mean it sounds easy you know you know what i mean like if someone really wanted to challenge themselves they ride a lot you know they don't need to go far to be able to have a go at it um so i quite like that idea but also you know we're talking records now and we're talking the most it's got ridiculous from ronan mclaughlin now six hours 40 so then it's like well are we better off choosing a climb that would potentially just be straighter like really simple things um so yeah undecided i'm going to do some testing over the next couple months or so um on the climb that i did it on it's not that far away and see what's what and see what's possible essentially yeah i mean ronan mclaughlin's um record recently was pretty pretty darn impressive wasn't it i mean is that yeah it was is that, is that quite intimidating scarily fast i mean manon told me before that before this everything like oh apparently he's gonna go for it again and this was before i did mine and i was like when's he gonna go for it then and then i was waiting for it to happen and then sort of nothing happened at the end of last year so i was like oh maybe he's psyched it off and not gone for it and then obviously out of nowhere it poof it came in march so he's been prepping for a long time or half a year um to get to that point uh so yeah it is rapido so it'll be interesting but i think it's possible i definitely think it's possible i mean if i didn't think it's possible i wouldn't go for it again but i think and he's also provided a little bit of sort of motivation for myself the fact that he's taken so many chunks out of his previous times I'm thinking I made so many mistakes on that first one, probably more than him. It's probably possible to take out a fair chunk of time from me myself as well. Yeah. Okay. Well, something, something to keep an eye on. And what about the rest of the year? I mean, do you have any other goals? Anything else you're targeting? Uh, yeah. So sort of we got Mirabel, I know, is confirmed. Um, so another hilly stage race I'll be having to go out, Volta Limburg. Um I want to see how far I can go with TTing as just like a, I know that over the next few years, if I want to be competitive in the sort of world tour pro Conti world, I need to be able to limit my losses in time trialing as best I can. Um, and it also just helps with your sort of 60 minute power and 30 minute power and things like that. So it's, it's like a double win with that. Um, Circuit Ardennes, uh, I think we got Savoir maybe these are, these are all, possible ones so don't yeah don't don't tweet them yet <laughs> i think i, yeah, I think yeah. i've already got mirabel on the uh on the calendar yeah yeah, yeah there's, been a few that have been, there's, been a, there's a few stage races um 
lined in and hilly one day races and tour britain um is a big one the route looks good for someone like myself um and personally that stage into exeter is i got a big red circle around it for obvious reasons um i know that last 60k really really well um and so to go i mean the tour britain as a whole but sort of to go to that stage as well and do well there um would be amazing um so yeah tour britain is a big target as well yeah and it's not been confirmed yet but there should be another team time trial in the tour britain uh, this year from what i understand it's all right we'll be more prepared this year <laughs> yeah and i guess i guess the fact that time trialing has just started up in the uk and there's not a lot else going on means you you do have a bit of an opportunity to to kind of hone your time yeah trials. yeah yeah i'm knuckling down on it quite a lot um and i think having seen obviously it was a long time ago but 2018 having seen how good we sort of did do it i think tim will want to you know redeem the team time trial this year and have a proper crack at it yeah great well max i won't keep you any longer i've kept you uh, our recording timer says over an hour already um but what would a successful 2021 look like for you then i mean uh race wins all around for the team team and myself uh a good tour of britain and just i'm just itching to go race my bike abroad in the uk essentially um so i think that would be a success in itself just getting back out there and, and getting results hopefully um so yeah good results tour of britain and hopefully rounded off with a pro conti or, or a world tour offer would be the, the big icing on the cake brilliant well thanks max thanks so much for spending oh, your Everest evening with us record i'm just gonna oh yeah yeah you want to <laughs> get that one in don't you yeah of course of course <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah not much on the list no not much at all no no big year but you know a lot yeah. of time to prepare for it <laughs> yeah and i guess as you say you're particularly hungry and motivated now after all this time off yeah i think yeah more so than than ever i think i'm just yeah just keen to see where where i'm at you know and if all the training i've been doing is you know you know when you're in a good place through power numbers but there's nothing like a race to see where you actually are yeah well best of luck max i really um will keep my fingers crossed for you and um cheers yeah thanks for having me on no absolute pleasure Thank you very much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then please do leave us a nice review. You can subscribe on all the usual channels and you can follow us on social media. On Twitter, we are at British Conti and on Instagram, we are at the British Continental. And please do visit our website for more interviews, journals, previews and news at thebritishcontinental.co.uk.